Welcome back to your favourite fan-led podcast, the Play On Podcast, with myself, your most gracious host, Cal Sirius, your ally when it comes to football news from a fan perspective. And as always, I'm alongside my most gracious host, Man Like. Ash, what's happening? Same old same. Um, everything's all good. The sun is shining and I'm in a good mood. How about yourself, sir? Yeah, busy weekend. Um, but lots of that good stuff and good energy being shed out. So, yeah, I just want to say a big shout out to all the mums out there as well. This is coming out um, around Mother and Sunday, what comes out the day after. So, yeah, just a big shout out to all the mums out there. Um, we thank you. We appreciate you. And we wouldn't be here without you. So, bless to you guys. That's an awesome way to kick things off. It's a special time of year. Um, maybe some mums don't feel so appreciated with how uh, unconsiderate some of the kids can be these days. But um, yeah, definitely should always show appreciation. And I hope everybody did have a lovely Mother's Day. What, what do you think is the best thing to do on Mother's Day, Ash? Is that, is that like a time to uh, to celebrate with the family? Or is it time to just spoil mum and you know let her put her feet up and not do much around the house? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. It's a hybrid, like... I know that I'm cooking dinner for the family tomorrow. Um, I like lots of treats and um, like thoughtful tokens have been like planned and put in place. So yeah, I've, I think just a, a hybrid of, of 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 both of spending time with the family whilst also treating people. Awesome! Uh, definitely a good idea for this coming and also office. just to jump in as well just uh, like a shout out to all of those who maybe have recently lost a mother or like their, their mothers are no longer with them i know that it can be quite a hard time mother's day so i um, appreciate the mums that are here but also thoughts of those who are no longer with us appreciate that one ash because i'm popping off mm. to the cemetery tomorrow so i'll yeah. take that one personally awesome swiftly moving on um, we're going to have a quick look at the Premier League season so far because we find ourselves in the international break. No Premier League football to talk about. I mean, we could go back a couple of weeks, but um, there are a few international fixtures that we can talk about, some friendlies and some World Cup qualification matches. But before we dive into all of that, we're going to have a quick look back at the season so far. It's been an interesting season, hasn't it? Um, I think a lot of things have happened. There's a lot that we can reflect on. We can look at the relegation, the top four, the teams competing for the title, the signings that have come in, any surprises that have happened along the way, um, you know, managerial seconds and things like that. Um, let's, let's start off with you, Ash. What's your take on um, the season so far? You can start wherever you want to start. Um, the season so far. So I think I probably started at the top and I'm slightly surprised that we've actually got a title race. I thought when Man City went clear um, around the end of January, I thought that was it. I didn't really expect to see them be kind of hauled back in um, in the way that Liverpool have done it. And I think if Liverpool win their game, the first game next week, they go top for the first time since, I think, like September, October time. Um, so it's quite a statement considering that they then play each other the weekend after. Um so I think that's been a bit of a surprise that Man City have, have been hauled back in. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be close. Like they've been the they've been the preeminent sides for the last few years, four or five years. Um, there hasn't really been anyone challenging them. I know Chelsea looked 
that they were going to get there. And I remember switching from Man City to Chelsea after Chelsea had such a good start and then signing Lukaku. I just thought, yeah, they they had a plan, but actually it's, it's kind of fallen down there as well. So who knows, maybe next year Chelsea will, will be a bit closer. But I think, um, yeah, I think it'll be really, really close. I think the they put a stat up the other day on um, Monday Night Football around the amount of games that Man City have failed to score in versus Liverpool. Liverpool have only failed to score in one game for the whole season this year, whereas Man City have failed to score in four. So as a result, it means that like Liverpool's potency and firepower might be the thing that edge, edges it. Although I probably would say that the better squad and arguably maybe the better players are 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 with um, are with Man City. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting. That game on the tenth is going to be huge. Um, we actually record. We're actually going to be recording that weekend as well, so I can kind of see that a lot of the podcast is going to be linked to that. Um, so yeah, that's where I'll start with that. In terms of the race for the top four, that's been quite juicy. Um, Chelsea. I'm I might just. I might just quickly chime in. Oh yeah, there. cool. Jump in then. Yeah. On 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 the season so far, talk. I mean, I think honestly, with that, I thought it was quite hilarious when you mentioned how you kind of flip flop from Chelsea, from City over to Chelsea, because you you had your prediction of the team that was going to do well, and then you changed it. And I actually went in the opposite direction, didn't I? Because I remember when they, off of the back of Frank Lampard getting sacked and Tuchel coming in last season, that form that Chelsea had from him coming into the end of the season was literally title-winning form. It was incredible. Mm. It was an incredible turnaround. And he didn't even sign any players. So I just thought, you give him a transfer window in the summer to to, to freshen the squad, it's just going to be picking up from where he left off and, and doing even better and bringing home the, the silverware. But we saw Lukaku came in, hit the ground running, and then fell flat on his face. Mm. And it that's something that I don't think anybody could have anticipated. We all probably would have thought, you know, it's a reunion, the big marquee signing, Chelsea boy coming home after, you know, becoming a man at Inter Milan, if you like. Um, and it just didn't work out. So that's why they're now third in the table and 11 points behind Manchester City with a game in hand. But they're looking like they're completely out of the title race because you just can't see Manchester City and Liverpool dropping enough points from now to the end of the season for Chelsea to get back in there. The only, um, the only way they could get back in there is if the two teams drew um, and then they obviously won their game in hand and then win. Because Chelsea probably have the best running. I know we're about to talk about the top four. Chelsea's running is really nice. Um, I don't think they, they play anyone r- really huge as such. I think they might have that one game outstanding, but it's. I think they play us. That's about it. But it's such a nice running for them. So... If Man City start to drop points or Liverpool have a slight wobble with the Champions League happening, I don't think they're going to be that close. But if that if that big game is a draw, Chelsea win their next two and their game in hand. Before you know it, Chelsea are like within five points of Liverpool and six points with it, like within within City. I don't think they'll be able to claw it back, but it just shows how a couple of results can shift things around pretty. Quickly. Give us give us your prediction. Who's going to win the league now? I mean, I've already correctly predicted Manchester City, so there's no point in me turning away from that. I think Liverpool might do it, you know. I think the signing of Luis Diaz turned out to be an absolutely fantastic signing for Liverpool. So, yeah, I think Liverpool. I think Liverpool might do it. I know. I know what my preference would be, um, not for them to do it, but um, 
yeah, I think I think I think I think Liverpool will like like will do it. Um, just but then I suppose Liverpool's got a couple of games against teams who are fighting for the top four slot. So in a weird way, as Arsenal fans, the more games Liverpool win, the better it is for us because they've already beaten us. And they've still got to play Tottenham. They've still got to play Manchester Manchester United. And they're, they're like our two main rivals for, for, for a fourth spot. Um, obviously, we had Adrian on the last podcast. Um, and there was quite a lot of focus on Arsenal and how well they've done. And I think, yeah, credit to um, credit to Arteta after losing the first three games of the season um, and being at probably like real rock bottom. Um, we've been able to get a squad together. He's made some huge decisions in terms of like personnel, um, who's currently at the who's currently at this club versus some of the people who are out on loan or have been recently sold. Um, and yeah, we're um, we're in fourth position, three points clear with a game in hand. We do play all the all the teams around us, so we still have to play West Ham, we still have to play um, Tottenham, we still have to play United, and we still have to play Chelsea. Um, but depending on the results of those games, if we were to to to, to beat or ensure that that they don't beat us, then we really would be in a great position to be able to get Champions League football for the first time in four or five years. And even more pressing to actually potentially to actually finish on top of Tottenham for the first time in I think it's six or seven years now. So that's needed. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a surprise to see the development of of Arsenal. I was very skeptical. I didn't think it was going to happen. Now I'm glad it is happening. I'm a I'm a fan of Arsenal first, even if I had my thoughts about the manager, and he's been able to change my opinion of him. Over the over the last two or three months, so I hope that that continues. I hope that sometimes it's good to be wrong, and I and I'm very happy to be wrong on this one. Um, you might be wrong on your title or, prediction as well. This is your third uh, title prediction now this season. <laughs> yeah, listen, I think it just probably sums like- me up. Like I'm having a bit of a mare, so <laughs> like, yeah, we're not we're not we're, we're not perfect all the time. So kind of just sums up where I'm at in life. So. <laughs> Another prediction. Let's nail this one down. Are Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League? It all depends on the North London derby. I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. I'm feeling... It's all all on that one game. And I know it sounds really... I know it sounds really weird for me to say that. But I just think that if if we fall down at that hurdle, considering some of the games that's there and and the run-ins... I think we have the hardest running out of Chelsea and Tottenham. But if we were to go and beat Tottenham, we almost like just dampen, like we, we stop any momentum that they've got. We play Man United at home as well, who I don't know, like they've got some really tough games coming up. But I just really think if we can, um, if we can get a positive result for the North London derby, then then I'd be more confident to say that we're going to finish in, in the top four. Um, I've I've seen enough personally. I, I know you're going to say I'm an Arteta fan, but it's really not that. I look at things objectively, mm. and I saw that when he won the FA Cup and the way that we did it, we won it in style. I saw what he was trying to do, and I saw the vision of you know this this transfer policy. You know things like signing William didn't work out, but you know when we did switch things up and we started signing players like Tavash. Um, I've started to see the wisdom in in what's happening here. You know, obviously some of the other guys have come in and been fantastic this season. Ben White and Tommy Asu got injured, and uh, he's been out recently, but he's been a big part of 
why we managed to build this momentum in the first place. Um, ben White and Ramsdale, especially, the defence has been solid this season, which has given us a platform to go forward and be able to, to nick a goal and, and be able to sing 1-0. When's the last time Arsenal fans have been able to consistently sing 1-0? It's, it's, it's just been, it's been great and I hope it continues. I think it will continue. I think we'll clinch that fourth spot uh, ahead of Spurs and Man United. It's not going to be easy, but I do think that they've got that they've got that grip between their teeth now. I don't think they're going to bottle it. Honestly, I think we're going to do it. Cool. Hope you're, I hope you're correct. Um, other things to look at, the relegation battle. It looks like Norwich are gone. Um, this is probably the hardest thing to call just because of how it keeps moving and shifting. And because certain teams have so many um, games in hand. So Burnley still have three games in hand on Leeds, but an eight-point gap. Um, I suppose I'm going to lead on to this. I think the biggest surprise to me is that Everton are in such dire straits this year. Like 25 points, 27 games played. Yes, they've got games in hand over the teams above them, but the form they're in, like they're not winning games at home. Um, They're struggling. They're shipping a lot of goals. Like they just don't look in a good state. They're currently outside of the relegation zone by three points. But like Watford got a recent win. Um, Burnley, I expect them to maybe go on a little bit of a charge with some of their games coming up as well. I think Norwich are gone. But um, yeah, that's going to be really tight. That's going to be really, really tight. But yeah, my, my, my big surprise of the season is is for Everton to be only on 20, 25 points. Um, just especially really, after they started the season as well, because Rafa, Rafa had a pretty good start to the season with them. Yeah, um, I mean, I've just realised that most of the uh, the bottom teams have all had their managers sacked and replaced. Um, mm. It's it's just that kind of time down the bottom of the uh, the table there. Everton, for me, replacing Rafa Benitez with Frank Lampard was a mistake, mm. and they might just they might just have to feel it after doing that one mm. might just have to feel it um, they got some hard games as well they've still got to play United Leicester Liverpool Chelsea Le- they've got to play Leicester twice um, and they still got to play us away on the final game of the season and go to West Ham as well yeah, they're they've got one two three four five yeah, five of the top six teams to still play. They're going to pay for that mistake. Um, Watford might be able to leapfrog Everton. Um, they do seem to be, happy, you know, they seem to have a little bit more energy to them since uh, Hodgson's come in. Leeds, you know, they've finally got themselves some good results recently. Um, Brentford have got, you know, obviously, Christian Eriksen coming in, who's a fantastic signing for mm. a team towards the bottom of the table. And it, as far as, you know, we're going up and up. We're up to 14th and 15th place now. Newcastle in 14th. You just can't see them getting pulled into mm. the relegation battle now. Uh, everything seems to be going okay. So, yeah, it, it was surprising that we had so many seconds. I think one of my biggest surprises of the season was uh, the fall of Bielsa. You know, the way mm. that he's been playing, you would have kind of banked on them to, to stay up in the Premier League and to be doing well. But I think it's the injuries that really crippled them and curtailed their season. And Yeah, 100%. He's the guy, he's the figurehead, so he had to go. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you got any any other big surprises that's happened this season, Ash? Um, big surprises this season on a positive note. Um, 
I think the Wolves, the, the Wolves manager was a good surprise. Like when they were like kind of pushing for top four at one stage, um, great defensive resolve that obviously has kind of disappeared recently. Um, so I think that's been a that's been a bit of a surprise. Um, personally, for Arsenal, I think Aaron Ramsdale was a massive surprise in in a good way. I I completely ridiculed that signing. I was like I was not having him. Um, so I think that's been that's been really good. Um, and what else have I liked about this season? What's what I liked about this season? Well, while you're thinking of that, I'm going to add Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United. I did not see that coming at all, and I, I still think man. I still think that was like as a reflex to mm. Messi signing for PSG. Ronaldo was kind of thinking, I can't let Messi take all the headlines. I need to make some kind of a big idiot thing. <laughs> oh, I've got one more actually. I've got one more nice surprise. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, Ericsson coming back to the Premier League um, is a really nice surprise considering um, a year ago um, in the summer what happened to him. So yeah, I'm really happy to see Christian Ericsson back playing um, top level football and actually contributing to an upturn in um, Brentford's form. On to the matches. We had World Cup qualifiers in the week. Uh, So this Thursday we had Wales beating Austria 2-1, Italy beating North, Italy losing to North Macedonia 1-0 and Portugal beating Turkey 3-1. Thoughts on Wales versus Austria, Ash? Gareth Bell, in Gareth Bell we trust. Like, just two absolutely outstanding moments. Um, He really is um, a catalyst for that team. Um, Free kick was stunning. Like genuinely stunning. I, I I love to see free kicks like that. And yeah, he's just the reason. I feel like if Dan James had his finishing boots on, it would have finished about five one. Like he just had so many opportunities. But nah, great, great. Like we said, like Wells have got people that can hurt you in it. If Ramsey's on song, he can always nick a goal. Um, Gareth Bell is is an outstanding talent. Um, like I said, they've got the pace out wide. So yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's looking it's looking positive for them. So they've got past the first stage and yeah, let's see what happens next for them. But they haven't been to a World Cup in I think fifty eight was the last time they were in a World Cup. So um yeah, they're definitely like the Welsh public are dying. They've been to a couple of Euros. So it would be nice for, for Gareth Bell to, to actually play in a World Cup. For sure. Um Gareth Bell's free kick was absolutely fantastic. I mean it was the distance of it as well and the angle that it swerved at was just like that is just pure technique. That is absolutely beautiful. Um although I do think maybe they were a bit fortunate because Austria hit the bar in the first half, they mm. scored. Um but you know, uh, sometimes you need a bit of luck in football, don't you? So yeah, well done to Wales, well done to Wales. Um, Italy versus North Macedonia. This is a team that were undefeated for like two years. Mm. Two. Yeah, this is this is huge. These guys this got to the, to the all the way to the final of the European Championships, and then they didn't stop there. They freaking lifted the the cup, only to end up getting knocked out of the World Cup qualifiers. 
to North Macedonia. Wait, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Happened? It's crazy to think that someone like a team like this could could have had that happen to them. Um, yeah, it's just it's, it's mental. European champions. Yeah, it's proper. It's proper. It's proper nuts. I'm not gonna. gonna I, to I'm gonna have to actually have a look at the squad because this is one that that deserves a bit of analysis here. This is absolutely insane. So. Oh, what the, a squad the, on the day. Yeah, the the what the one thing that comes to mind is are the players aging? Because you know you had these guys like Chiellini um, at the back who you know getting towards the end of their career and stuff. And having yeah, a look at the, start, yeah, yeah, having a look start. at the team sheet now, it was Bastoni and Mancini mm-hmm. um, playing at, at centre half. Mancini, someone I don't even know about. Um, Spazzola, who's who's pretty good, the left back um, in the European Championships, he wasn't playing, so Emerson came in. Um, but the midfield, Verratti, Jorginho, and Barella, that's quality. Insigne on the left. And uh, immobile through the middle, it's it's all quality in the team. What is going on? I think um I think I think the form of Donnarumma isn't hasn't been what it was. That's one thing I would say. Um, and yeah, like I mean, you've got to get to the stage where you're, where you're able to move on from like Kalini and who's the other centre back that used to play all the time? Oh, what's his name? I just lost his name. He played. He's from. He's from Juve. Um, is it Rigoni? No, not Rigoni. What's his name? He's the centre back. Like he's he's. Oh, it's gonna just gonna bug me. But yeah, they need to move on from that centre back pairing. Um, um, and I just think, yeah, he just Bonucci. 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 Sorry, yeah, Bonucci. Um, yeah, I just think he needs to move on from from that. And obviously, that hasn't happened. Now, obviously, it's one nil. But that's still huge to be knocked out. And like these one these one off games is just such a lottery, such a shootout. But yeah, that's what when I heard I thought RK okay, they'll get them in the second leg, but everyone's like, nah, that's it, zip done, done and dusted. So yeah, it's a shame. Like Italy probably would have been like one of the favourites and now they're not mm. there. So their finishing was absolutely shocking on the day. It's not like they didn't have chances. Mm. They definitely had chances, but the finishing was absolutely diabolical and the goal that they conceded mm. it's not the kind of goal you expect an Italian team to concede mm. it's kind of like a last minute goal, right in the last minute mm. um, when you need your players to all be concentrating like a little lapse in concentration and just a shot from the edge of the box that the goalkeeper couldn't get to and the defenders didn't press and close down and stop the shot mm. and it went in yeah, as easy as that uh, yeah, it's it's confusing because you know Italy are ranked sixth in the world, losing to North Macedonia. I don't even know where they're going to come up in the FIFA rankings. Yes, um, man. <laughs> ah, wow, absolutely shocking result right there. But shout out to North Macedonia. Yeah. I, I don't even know if they've ever qualified for a World Cup before. If they haven't, enjoy. Yeah. You guys are going to the World Cup at Italy's expense. Portugal 3-1, Turkey, uh, another one of the favourites, went through just normal service here, isn't it, Ash? Are Portugal one of the favourites? I don't know if they're really that, that team anymore. Are they it's, a bit t- it's a bit favorites? tight, though, because um, at 2-1, five minutes to go, um, Turkey missed a penalty. Yeah, Turkey missed a penalty. Um, and then... 
yeah, they got a, they got a, they got like a last minute goal to seal it. But I don't know with Portugal anymore. I just think that where they were previously to where they are now, I don't really, I don't put them among the favourites. I think the favourites for me for, for for the tournament are Brazil, France. And then I think you've got the second wave of favourites, which are maybe like your Belgiums, England's in there. Italy would have been in there. And then I think you go to the next level where I think Portugal are at. So, um, According to uh, oddstrecker.com, you're 100% right with Brazil being a favourite. They've got them uh, as an odds-on favourite. even. No, not odds-on. It's 11-2. to two. Mm. And then you've got France at 7-1, to one, England at 8-1 and Spain at 8-1 as well. Mm. So those are those are their. Then I feel like, I feel like Argentina will come before Portugal. I feel that uh, like I said, Belgium will be up there before Portugal. Um, Italy would have been up there before Portugal. So I think when you're when you're when you're coming in as like the eighth or ninth favorite, don't know if you can really call you a favorite anymore. Fair enough. I was thinking among favorites would do, mm. but I, I'll agree with you on that. I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. Um, I'm definitely uh, one that does like to change my opinion when new information comes to light. Um, the one but, thing I would say, though, is, you know, what's yep. crazy about that is when they won the Euros. They probably were further up the list in terms of being favourites. Um, but they still got some real, some real quality players. So, well, this is the thing. I mean, they go up against a team like Turkey. You're, you're, I, would, I was expecting this kind of result, 3-1, mm. with the likes of. Bernardo and Bruno, Jota and Ronaldo, like that t- that attack is going to be a handful for anyone. Yeah. Um. So, all right. So that's kind of the end of our World Cup qualifiers review. There's one or two friendlies we could talk about. Actually, there was another World Cup qualifier on this Saturday uh, today. Argentina versus Venezuela. So uh, one of Ash's uh, favourites for the World Cup, not favourites, but, you know, a team that mm. you probably expect to do quite well. Although I always feel like they've underachieved. Like I've watched oh, big Argentina play and <clears throat> some, some fantastic players in their team over the years, going back to the days when they had like Pablo Aymar uh, in the team. And, you know, even these days with the likes of Di Maria, there's times when Di Maria sit on the bench, you can't even get into the team. I absolutely love his game. Um, but you know, and with Messi, you would kind of think he was going to be a player that would help them to win the trophy. One final, isn't it? They've been to one final. Messi finally won um, an international um, tournament last year. South American one, yeah. Yeah, this will definitely be his last real crack at a World Cup. He's not in the greatest form at the moment. Um, yeah, who knows, man. Messi's last Ima- chance listen, to win imagine, the world. I like, I like imagine, the way he that. His last, um, this is last shot saloon for Lionel Messi. Imagine a Portugal, a Portugal Argentina World Cup final. <laughs> that would be crazy. Oh my gosh! Could you be- could you imagine like literally the winner is sealed as the goat? Because that's what they they put it down to. They put it down to whoever won the World Cup. Mm. That that that's not how I would. Like, I know who my goat is. Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if that's everyone else's. Um, I think the World Cup is the World Cup is a great achievement. Not everybody mm. can win the World Cup, can they? But obviously, it doesn't mean you're not a good player if you haven't won it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to Argentina going through. Um, you've got um, the um, the the Jalof derby. <laughs> Mate, 
this is one friendly that I just want to give a quick mention to you because it's I'm, not a friendly. It's a World Cup qualifier, remember? Excuse me, it's not even. Yes. A, it's not even a friendly. Why am I thinking it's a yes. friendly? Maybe it's just because it's the two teams. It's always going to feel like a derby, but there's actually real significance, you know, yeah. uh, a place in the World Cup. And the game ended up a nil draw. I watched it myself. This is the one that I did watch, and um, there were some tasty tackles flying in <laughs> in the first half. Wow, Nigeria were really going for it. Um, but, you know, Arsenal being the home team, maybe you'd think they took advantage of the home uh, the home crowd being behind them. And uh, they created quite a few chances. I think they were unlucky not to win the game. They really had some good chances in both halves. Mm. They could have won it. But with uh, Andre Ayew, the, the, the star attacker in that team, not being available, there wasn't that much of a sharp end at the top of the pitch, really. Um, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, Jordan did his thing, um, and it was nice to see the boy from Ajax as well. There's a there's a youngster uh, in the Ghana team playing for Ajax. Um, he, he looks quite decent on the ball. Um, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get a winner. We couldn't tell. We couldn't decide and be able to tell which jollof is better. Is it the Ghana jollof or is it Nigerian jollof? Because this game could have been a way to be able to decide it. But unfortunately, it just seems like everybody's got good chill off. The, the honours are shared. Everyone's got good chill off. <laughs> no, no. I like um, and a friendly we can end on is uh, a little bit of a Caribbean banter here between Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados. Um, Barbados. I don't know a whole lot about Caribbean football, to be honest with you. But I did not expect to see Trinidad and Tobago winning this game 9-0. Like... Just a slapping. Yo, I mean, if you're from Barbados, like you probably just can't show your face around your Trinidad. Your, your Trini mates are just going to be... I'm Bajan. Roasting you. Wow. Nine. <laughs> oh, man. That is amazing. It's tight. It's um, but yeah, that's pretty much all of the games that I think we want to mention. Unless there's anything else you want to uh, cover there, Ash? No. Oh, yeah. Sorry, there is one more. So, um, Egypt were able to beat um, Senegal 1-0. Um, obviously, the African Nations Cup final took place earlier in, the, earlier in this year. Um, Senegal won on penalties with Mane scoring the decisive penalty, but an own goal has put Egypt one up, so that could be a form of um, retribution if they were able to knock them out of the World Cup qualifying. So, yeah. That's the last thing I just want to say about the fixtures. Cool, cool, cool. On to the latest football news. So we've got this story in Sky Sports here about Joey Barton. Um, everybody who watched football um, years and years ago would know about Joey Barton, English football in particular. Um, they'll know that Joey Barton, he was like a combative midfielder. Um, always getting into scrape. You heard loads of stories about antics of him off the pitch and stuff. Um so, you know, you'd say this is a guy with a history of violence. Um, he's been managing Bristol Rovers. And there's this story that's uh, in Sky Sports about him kicking his wife in his head and grabbing her by the throat and, and all kinds of stuff. This is one of these strange stories that comes up and you just think, huh? Because it's one thing to have a domestic situation. It's another thing for, you know, the abused to be pressing charges mm. so now you would think all right then something this has been a serious 
incident here and and the the, the victim or the alleged victim now wants some kind of compensation or they want justice to be served they want someone to be prosecuted right but there's been a bit of a u-turn where because you know they're still married so Jerry Barton's had some kind of an incident with his wife but she hasn't like divorced him and split up from him and you know and went into press charges and all of this stuff they're still married and they continue to be in a relationship and eight months after the incident it says here uh she's given an account some eight months after the incident and in the crown submission it is plainly an attempt to exculpate her husband yeah it's all over the place mum. what she is suggesting is the injury was caused accidentally when friends intervened in the argument um but um the judge has gone ahead and adjourned the case um and the prosecutor added, the issue in this case is that Mr. Barton denies assaulting his wife at all. So, it, 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 it it's strange, isn't it? Because it kind of looks like she was pressing charges, but then she's changed her mind, and now she's changed her story. Mm. And, you know, like, they're still married, they're still a couple, so why would she want to press charges against her husband? Um... I don't know what's going to happen here because yeah, it's looking it's a bit funny under the lights. I'm not going to lie. Hey, you'd think it, if, if it's got to this yeah, stage, she's already given lights. evidence and there's really something on record. So we'll see how that one turns out. That is a strange one. Um, what would be next? This this story, with the protester. One from our guys over at Eurosport. I do like Eurosport content, man. They make some, they write some, some cool stuff. Um, so we've got an, a, a protester who ran onto the pitch and cable tied himself to the goalpost <laughs> like an absolute wally. Mm-hmm. Um, that, as a football fan, I don't know how you feel about this, Ash, but whenever I'm watching a match and then you get like a naked streaker or some protester who runs onto the pitch, you kind of... You're a bit annoyed you're like oh what are you doing idiot mm. but then sometimes it can be fun like you know sometimes you hear the crowd actually cheering hey like when somebody some naked streaker runs into the pits like you just kind of think it's a bit fun but this guy actually cable tied himself to the goalpost and just refused to be removed mm. um huge disruption to the match but it seems that he was actually promoting some kind of a cause he had a t-shirt on there's a link on the t-shirt where you can you know go to the url and you can read what it says and um it, he's definitely a part of some kind of a group that are protesting against oil um just wondering what your thoughts are on this uh on this uh altercation oh, uh, listen. <laughs> In terms of the overall message, um, it's a, it's a very new protest. We've never had this before. They had to go and get one of the the the, the, the you know those vice cutters. They had to go and get one of those. The size of those vice. Yeah, it was massive as well. <laughs> I thought those things could just be done with like just some regular scissors, but they were like, no, let's go get the heavy duty stuff. So it was hilarious. I think the knock on effect could be um, what we was talking about in terms of the league type, the league table as well. So. At that point, it was nil-nil. And then I think Awobi scored in like the 98th minute. 
um, there was like 13 or 14 minutes worth of injury time. So with all of that stuff being put in place, um, a super late goal may end up saving um, Everton's season and, and Premier League status. Um, they're one of the, I think they're one of six teams to have been in the Premier League every single year since the start of it. Um, I think it was seven at one point. Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Everton. Yeah, I think they're the, they're the six teams that have always been in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, but I think there's just... What, what, this, what this might do is it might now cause someone else to do this protest or someone to one-up this protest as well. So, yeah, I want to keep an eye out for the next level of the, the next level of protest to see how far like, we get or how, how bad it becomes. Because, yeah, that could be what happens next, to be honest. Um, there's a quote from the video. So when you click on the link that was on his T-shirt, there's a video. And the quote in the article says, it's 2022 and it's time to look up, time to step up and not stand by. It's time to act like it's an emergency. Report after report is telling me that my future is going to be dire and my government is telling me not to worry and pay into a pension. Mm. My generation is being shafted. We face a cost of living crisis, a housing crisis, a fuel crisis and an unlivable planet. But we have a choice. We can choose to highlight that our climate is breaking down. We can choose to resist this government that is betraying us. Mm. We can choose to step up and not stand by. Now, with this guy cable tying himself to a goalpost to spread that message, all I can do is just salute the young man and say, you know what? I feel like you got a point. I feel like you got a point because that fuel is absolutely insane right now. The housing is insane. We are being shafted. He's got a point. I think it's a good cause. However, if everybody with a good cause jumped onto a football pitch and cable tied themselves to a goalpost, it would be absolutely ridiculous. You wouldn't ridiculous. have much football to watch. It would be absolutely ridiculous. So I can't much, say, you know, I can't say I'm a big fan of what he did, but I can see that it was for a good cause, which I I, I am behind that. I do support the idea of what's behind me here. Um, swiftly moving on. Bukayo Saka, your favourite player, Ash? Actually, I think you said Gabriel was your favourite Arsenal player. Yeah, at the moment, Gabriel. Yeah, no, I think ESR and Saka are probably my favourite players. Gabriel's our most important player. Agreed, agreed. Well, actually, well, maybe not agreed. Maybe not agreed. Maybe uh, I think the way that Thomas Partey has been playing recently, this guy has been vital to our team. Rob Holding's your most important player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Like, Rob Holding's on a whole different kettle of fish. Like he's just out okay. of the stratosphere. You know, I mean, we can't even okay. compare him to the other players in the squad. Okay, Such okay. You know, you know, you know. Um, but um, yeah, Thomas Partey, I think. He's really important for Arsenal at the moment. And I think Xhaka's actually been stepping up to the plate recently as well. Somebody gets a lot of criticism, but in, in the last few games, some of the, the little interceptions that he makes... See, he does stuff that you might not always pick up on because it's like if when he makes the interception, nothing happens. But if he didn't make the interception, then somebody could have ended up being one-on-one running at a defender and then they just shoot and they score. You know, and, and he... I think he prevents a lot of goals, a lot of attacks from being dangerous in the first place. Um, and he's been doing it a lot, very well recently. Um, so I'm just going to give him his flowers still. 
But we digress. We're talking about young Bukayo Saka, who got a really nasty tackle um, when we played against Villa. I forgot you know, the name of the player who it was, but the guy was diving in and he went in with the, it looked like he went in with the studs. Mm. For me, it looked like a nasty tackle. And uh, he was upset about it, which you would expect from a footballer. Like, they'll be, they'll be upset. And after the game, he was calling for the ref to give him a, a bit more protection. Steven Gerrard didn't take a liking to that. And, uh, you know, Gerrard's come out and spoken to, uh, you know, in his post-match interview. Um, and he, he said, you know, it's all part of the game. The last time I checked, it's not a no-contact sport. I think tackles are allowed. Physicality is allowed. He went on to say a lot more than that. He was talking about how he's got pins in his hips and he had multiple surgeries and it's just all part and parcel of the game is basically what he was trying to say. What's that sounds, like a, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your opinion on that? Is this the kind of thing where Saka should just shut up and just get on with it? Um, and Or has he got a point? Should he be more protected by referees? Well, you made a you made a point earlier on about some of the tackles that some of the Arsenal players have got um, across the history of the league and some of the serious injuries that have taken place. Um, listen, people need to be protected, um, and when you can actually see that they're trying to leave a little something on someone, that's normally how people get injured. So I think, yeah, you have to become more resilient, more robust and learn how to ride tackles and stuff like that. But then I always say a player doesn't need to ride a tackle if a tackle's not there. That's not to say don't tackle, but when you're leaving when you're when you're trying to kind of yeah, let them know you're there. I remember when I used to play like Sunday League, used to be like, Oh yeah, let him know you're there. Like, no bro, like just go for the ball fairly. If you win the ball, cool. You don't have to leave something on me to start the game. Um, but yeah, no, he's going to be targeted because what's happened recently is he's been an outstanding performer for us mm-hmm. and a te- and teams are going to want to stop our our best weapons and he is one of our best weapons. So it comes with the territory, but at the same time, I think when there's an intent to, to that we say, leave something on someone, I think that's completely wrong. And um, I know that Gerard would have been like pinpointed and wanted to be marked out of games and be stopped, but there are more like wholesome ways of stopping um, young talents. I just saw a replay of the incident. It was Tyrone Mings. The guy's gone sliding in and he's lost all control. Right? He's gone sliding in and he lost control and he caught Saka on the ankle. Now, maybe I haven't got the best interpretation of the rules, but when you lose control and you go in with the studs, Aren't you supposed to get a red card for that kind of thing? I don't think he lost control, if I'm honest. I remember I remember the tackle. I don't think he lost control. I think I don't I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great tackle, but I, I think there was still enough control for him to, to to have not got a red card. There wasn't enough control for him to pull out and to not hit the player. And yeah, but get, it's a it's a contact sport. It's it's a it's a con it's a contact sport. So like the, thing I, is, the difference is I've seen some tackles that are absolute madnesses. That tackle wasn't a madness. We've all seen that kind of thing, haven't we? Like you were saying, there's been tackles on mm. Aaron Ramsey, tackles on Eduardo, where, you know, you, you it almost brought a tear to your eye and you were just worried for the for the safety of the player, um, you know, whether this guy's even going to be able to play football again because you know his leg's broken, you know he's finished. 
Um, so anytime an Arsenal player takes a nasty tackle, though, I get these kind of feelings coming back. Like, oh my God, what have they done to my boy? <laughs> um, running up on the pitch, yeah. Oh, mate. Running up is just pitch invasion. But um, yeah, honestly, I think it wasn't the worst tackle in the world, but I would like to see... I would like to see more of a deterrent. I know it's a ta- it's a, it's a contact sport. Mm. I think shoulder to shoulder tackles and stuff like that, and you know, putting some aggression and taking the ball and taking them out. I have no problem with that. I mean, I used to play in defence, so I, I was doing that kind of stuff all day long. I love that kind of aspect of the game. You give some, you get some, you know. Mm. Um, but just with a tackle like that, it was just I can see why Saka's complaining, but at the same time, you know, he wasn't injured mm. and he's okay, but. From Saka's perspective, if this kind of thing is allowed to continue, then you know what's going to happen to him next. That could be one that breaks his ankle and then either he's out injured for God knows however many months. Maybe he infects his game, he comes back Mm -hmm. and he's never the same player that he was before. Maybe it ends his career, you know? Um, No, I hear you. I hear hear what you're saying. I think um, if I'm just taking on the merits of that one tackle, I'm not going to say it's all of that. But I understand the wider point of what you're saying in sense of being very mindful of it only takes one tackle for it to to be that way. And sometimes it's in, it's it's completely innocuous. It's not even a tackle that's like permitted or wanting to go in that direction. It's just it is what it is. So yeah. All right, Cami, man, like Chris Kamara. Um, yeah, this is a really sad story, actually. Um, in the sense of like how it kind of came across, so I found it out um, that they were talking about uh, just his ability to speak, and he had a bit of a bad session um, on one of the things. But he spoke about um, having developed a praxis art of speech. So as a result, it um, just spoke about. I think he was like more sluggish with his words. Um, he has days where he feels really good, but there's other days where he doesn't. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's one of those things where there's maybe lots and lots and lots of people in the world that, that, that have something like this. Cammy's a big personality. So when we hear about this now, it then essentially like pricks our senses up to if someone in our family's got it or someone in our wider network's got it. And then we could potentially go about helping them or supporting them or trying to understand it a bit better. So um, thank you for sharing, um, Cammy. It can't have been easy. But um, now we know that obviously we can just help to monitor him, but also be aware of other people in the wider world who may be going through the same thing. Um, yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment there. Um, I've actually had to Google it because I've never heard of apraxia before. And it turns out it's a neurological disorder characterized by the inability to perform learned movements on command um so that sounds like it could affect more than speech it could be like a like a motor neuron kind of issue mm. um and i just wish him all the best with it it does sound like uh the kind of condition that's going to make your health deteriorate over time mm. um so sh- shout out to chris kamar big for yeah, you do love cameron mm. Um, Mark Overmars. <laughs> this is techie. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a bit. The fact that he could be back is 
Yeah, it's considering that we um, because yeah, we um, we brought this up on a previous podcast, um, and now he's been picked. I mean, we believe in rehabilitation. We believe in second chances. Um, the speed of it is 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 a lot. So yeah, hopefully he's learned his lesson, and the next time we hear about Overmars, it's not a repeat. It's not a repeat of what happened at Ajax. But yeah, when I saw the story, it just took took me right back to our podcast where like where we discussed this and. It was. It's quick. It's a quick turnaround. It's a very quick turnaround. It is. Um, I do like the Guardian. They do write uh, quite uh, interesting pieces, and uh, here's one about Mark Overmars, um, where you know they talked about the incident at Ajax, mm. um, which was uh, surprising to say the least. But there's also a quote here um, where he says, "What has happened at Ajax won't happen again." I am glad to be here. It is a new chapter for me, a beautiful change at a club where I see potential to grow. Now, when we did discuss the the Overmars issue before, one thing I did say is I hope that, you know, he can just move forward and people can just let bygones be bygones, you know, and he'll be all right in his career. And I'm going to stand by that, you know, now mm-hmm. that he's moved on. Um, I hope everything works out for him and, you know, you can just let the past be the past. Uh, fantastic footballer. Um done some good work at Ajax in a director of football capacity and now he's off to a new club uh, Antwerp, new country why not? Why not carry on and, uh, and uh, continue doing good work as a director of football for another club I wish mm. him the best Yeah Yeah, um, I see So uh, Jermaine Defoe Top shoot Top shooter Absolute quality player. He, he's a guy that has just been so consistent. Like his goal scoring record is absolutely ridiculous. Um, three hundred and four goals in three hundred and sixty-two club career games, and twenty goals in fifty-seven appearances for England. Mm-hmm. Just goal scorer in it. Like anytime I see one hundred goals, I think to myself, yeah, this guy's a goal scorer. Three hundred goals. Wow. Yeah, he's a, real, he's a real shooter. Yeah, um, he's been playing for 22 years. Um, some fantastic stats in this article here from the BBC. I do recommend giving this one a read. Um, and it's actually just sad news that Jermaine Defoe is retiring. Although, should it be sad? Should it not? Be? I don't think it's sad. Should I think when you look at what he moment? did and what he was able to achieve, I think um, I think it's a good. I think it's a good shout, man. I think it's. He's definitely done what he needed to do. Um, and yeah, just just acknowledge him for all the good work that he's done. Like, big shout out to him. I've seen him been doing a, a fair bit of media work recently. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he's going to have a good career after his playing mm. career, whatever he decides to do. Um, if he wants to continue being a pundit, I'll, I'll enjoy watching him cover the games. Um, and, you know, you never know, maybe he'll get into something else a lot of players go into coaching and they build academies and they do stuff and they stay connected to football so we'll see but yeah he's been a fantastic career I, I haven't forgot he went to the MLS they, they've got some highlights here at the end of the article where they say yes he joined uh, the Toronto in the MLS in 2014 played for Bournemouth played for West Ham played for Spurs Portsmouth Bournemouth Charlton just Legendary player at a lot of clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he scored, he scored one that like one of my favourite volleys 
um, for Sunderland when the ball came over his like shoulder on the run and he just like whipped it back. He scored some really top goals. So yeah, sick man, sick you. Shout out to the foul. Um, somebody who isn't actually a football player uh, and maybe isn't having their proudest moment right now. Roman Abramovich. Um, so this is the strangest source because I wasn't looking for football news when I was going through this publication. Uh, but I found a story about Roman Abramovich in Bloomberg. And <laughs> it, it's kind of it's kind of talking about how his private jet was spotted in Dubai. Um, and how the area in Dubai has kind of become a sanction-free area for you know russian successful russian business and oligarchs i believe they call them um so yo uh, it's it seems like he's looking to buy some property over there and maybe if he does settle down in dubai he's going to be able to avoid some of the sanctions that have come his way which has made him have to kind of leave chelsea as their commander-in-chief Um, so just an interesting story. There's a lot of background about what's going on with Russians and uh, Russian people in Dubai specifically. If anybody wants to read that, that'll be in the show notes. Then. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really. It doesn't really look like he's coming back to Chelsea anytime soon. Um, he's looking to to settle in Dubai apparently. Um. Better news. Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. Now there's been a couple of legends all legends in the in the hall of fame but a couple of new legends added to the premier league hall of fame patrick vieira and wayne rooney well deserved to both of them to be celebrated we've all been celebrating them over the years they've they've been absolutely fantastic players and um honestly i think they kind of missed the trick with not putting Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira into the Hall of Fame at the same time. That would have been dope. Instead of having Rooney and Vieira, Keane and Vieira going in at the same time, I think that would have been quite an interesting thing to do. But hey, there you go. Um, any thoughts about these two absolutely legendary footballers? Actually, footballer turned coaches. We can't really call them footballers anymore, can we? They're, they're football managers. Yeah. Um, listen, um, there was a stage, a couple of... Um, few weeks ago there was a stage where they spoke about um what 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 player um did arsenal need in their squad more than anyone else um and in one of my groups they were saying oh we need omri and stuff like that i was like but at that time we had a bamiang and i thought nah and i always said the player that we needed for maybe like the last few years has really been patrick Vieira. i think there's been a shift now um, with some of the goals leaving but Patrick Vieira is just such an amazing figure where that would like when he came in I remember his very first goal for the club um that's just what he did I remember that 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 trademark like run through against United I remember the goal Drive. against yeah I remember the goal against Chelsea when we went unbeaten I just remember it all man I remember the red cards I remember when he got back-to-back red cards and seemed really disillusioned and it looked like he was going to leave. Like every single summer it was, will he go to Real Madrid? Will he won't go to Real Madrid. Like it, it, was a real, it was a real roller coaster for him, but every single time he put his shirt on, like we knew what time it was for Vieira. So 
Yeah, large up Patrick. I do and Rooney, know. Not gonna lie, you see Rooney. I've got a weird relationship with Rooney because between sixteen and nineteen, I was gassed. <laughs> I was gassed off this year. I was like, "Yo, Rooney, yeah, yeah, yeah." But then he partly used to like tump up Arsenal all the time, so I didn't like him. But then I always thought he had another level to go to and didn't quite achieve it. And what I found with Rooney is, is like he, he has these purple patches of form. But you see, when Rooney's out of form, he's like horrendous. He's like proper, like a proper obnoxious footballer to have around you because he just doesn't. I just don't like it. I don't like his attitude. I don't like what he's on. He's just not it. But then think about like the major tournaments, the hopes that's been put on his shoulders as well. It must be really hard to have been that talented with all the hopes and how people are like build you up as an English football player, especially someone who's a forward, especially someone who scores the goals and especially someone who's meant to lead um, a nation to, to victory as well. So exceptional player. I think the second highest goal scorer of all time in the, in the premier league missed a lot of games through injury. Was it even like a nine like that? Um, and again, he scored another one of my favourite volleys, the one where he was talking to the referee and then the ball comes out to him and he spazzes it top corner and then just gets mad angry. The one thing I loved about Rooney was his aggression. Like when I play ball, I can get quite aggressive. And when Rooney loses his head, I'm like, hey, I'm here for it. So um, now two exceptional players who fully deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Most definitely. Um, I, I was going to say... Uh... With Patrick Vieira, I did wonder if Arsene Wenger had a huge job on his hands every summer fighting offers from other clubs. Because you, I remember that. That's one big thing I remember. Every summer, every year, like you said, it was Real Madrid, it was Barcelona. It was, it was just all kinds of links with all kinds of clubs. And I wonder if Wenger had to, maybe if there was times when it was almost a done deal and Wenger had to, you know, fight hard with the board to not sell him for some stupid fee. Um, or even fight hard to convince Patrick you need to stay. We're, we're, we're doing things here. And I do think that towards the end, it was when we turned into a development club. I think that was kind of really what started to annoy Patrick because he, he, he was a guy of the highest quality, the highest caliber, world-class player, having to play with teenagers. And it just must have been so annoying for him. Um, not being able to play with players on the same level mm. um, and not even to be able to play with grown men, but to play with kids. Mm. Um, so, But he handled himself with grace the whole time. Mm. and um, he's a hell of a champion and with Rooney I mean he scored his debut goal against us didn't he yeah (laughs) first ever goal do you remember that absolutely insane it was like the tackers he struck the ball with that's what that's what ruined ruined one of our unbeaten runs I think we were on like a really long unbeaten run at that stage as well yeah (laughs) and it was just that and then he won the penalty he threw he, he died for the penalty that Ended that helped to end the the forty nine game unbeaten run. Um, yeah, he, he just he was a proper like fawn in our side, like over and over and over again. I, so. I get what you were saying about his attitude and stuff, but I never felt that way about him. I kind of thought he had, you know, he had just that desire and 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 just that. I really was a, really was a personal to us still. I'm not gonna lie. He had a bit of a, a, a combative well. personality, but I think you need that in competitive sports. I think that some of the best players, they all have that kind of where, you know, you, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like 
they're just annoying and you don't like them because of the way that they are edge. but that's what makes them so good it's 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 that comes out in their game as well that just the, the hunger and the desire and the oof, you know it, it yeah as a personality maybe it's a bit intense to, to be around someone like that but what a player i absolutely a really enjoyed watching Wayne yeah, Wayne. and to be honest with you i think maybe some of those qualities they have have translated into their managerial careers as well i'm not too familiar about the work that rooney's done as a football manager but obviously we're seeing patrick vieira in the premier league right now absolutely smashing it at crystal palace and who knows maybe we'll see rooney managing a premier league team one day too yeah i think he's gonna get there the work that he's been doing with um the championship considering where Derby were at with their points deduction, the fact that they're even um, in with some kind of shout of potentially staying up is is amazing work. So yeah, like they've won they've won so many games, but they're still eight points off of safety. Um, so if they didn't have the points deduction, they would be really up there. They'd be really they'd be flying actually. Well, if anyone can, Rooney can. Um, well, from one Englishman to another, let's talk about Bellingham. This youth is just, he's getting all of the plaudits, all of the applause. We've seen some of his goals and some of his play. And now he's actually getting that formal recognition. You know, Jude Bellingham beats Florian Wirtz and Jamal Musiala to win the 2022 NXGN Award. Not quite a Ballon d'Or, but as a young player, I suppose you just take all of the uh, accolades that come your way on your way to getting a Ballon d'Or or something mm. like that. Um, and so to be players like Wurtz and Michel, like those guys are quality. I watched uh, a lot of Wurtz a couple of years ago and I thought this guy's absolutely insane. Um, and, uh, and that was around the time when Chelsea signed Havertz because uh, he was playing in that Leverkusen team. And there's still loads of good players in that team. Mm. Um, and so he's one to watch out for, Florian Wirtz, if nobody's seen him yet. Uh, Jamal Musiala is one yeah, I'm a bit salty about because he chose to play for Germany. He didn't want to play for England. He was eligible. Uh, <laughs> but another good player. And uh, Bellingham is beating the two of them to this award. I think it's a fantastic achievement because both of those guys are quality players. So it means that... Uh, you know, Bellingham's up there with the very best young players in the world. Yeah, Defo. Defo, like, respect him and respect his hustle. So, yeah, big up Bellingham. Well deserved. And that is going to be it from me. Um, quite happy to catch you guys the next time we broadcast in a couple of weeks. Um, Ash, if you've got nothing further to say, speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Just left to say is peace. Enjoy the weather, guys. And happy Mother's Day. Yeah, bless up.